We're building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. And now, here's today's show. So, Tim, you're a guy, six kids, yeah, four sons, two daughters, mm-hmm. very, very successful in the Texas oil and gas industry, 20 grandkids. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to ask you some really tough questions. Great. And you you only have a vague idea of what I'm going to ask you, so you're going to be winging this. <laughs> okay. But I think this is good. I mean, you, you're a guy that I know to be a, a, a massive source of wisdom, a very godly man, a man who knows scripture, and I really respect the way your mind thinks. And I think this might be some really good advice for men across the world to hear. And so I'm going to ask a question that is always on all men's minds, but specific to their kids. How, how did you, your six kids are all incredibly um, great young men and women. I mean, they, they, they love the Lord. They're walking with the Lord. They've done fantastic. Um, how did you address sex with your kids? Because a lot of dads stumble over that issue. Well, we did it very openly. If I'm just going to do a headline, I would say we were very open about it. And and uh, in our culture, there's still a kind of, you know, Augustine kind of said that, you know, sex is bad and you only should have sex to to have children and stuff. And that that's still in our kind of uh, Christian culture. And the Bible just doesn't address it that way at all. It talks very openly about sexual stuff. And so we just chose to do it the way the Bible does it. And we talked to him very openly uh, about how what a wonderful gift it is. Because if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, it says, don't join yourself with a harlot. If you do, you're joining the Holy Spirit with a harlot. For the two shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sexual union is oneness. And you want to save that oneness for one person. And by the way, harlot in those days was any woman because it, any woman who had sex outside of marriage charged for it and was a harlot. So it wasn't like it's talking about don't have sex outside of marriage. It's not saying just avoid prostitutes, but other women are okay. That's right. Exactly. And so because th- this is not the design. Okay. And then you get all through scripture, like uh, like First Thessalonians 4, uh, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So God's will is who you become, right? That's the choices you make as, as who you become. And the first instruction is that you behave in sexual purity. Well, why is that such a big deal? Well, extracting pleasure from another human is exploitative. And so when you're spending time extracting from other people, you're training your soul to be a tyrant and you are creating loneliness and death for yourself. Okay? And that, them. And them, you know, and you're on your harm at their expense. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a path of death. So we, we didn't tell them, you know, it's off limits and stuff like that, because that just makes it the forbidden fruit. It makes it more desirable, right? Right. We told them, you know, this this will bring you great harm if you do it the wrong way. Now, if you do it the right way, it's a fantastic blessing. So we want you to have sex, but we want you to get married and have sex. So then we talked to them a lot about the timing of how to do that. And I used to tell the boys, 
things like, you know, uh, think about yourself as a, as a starving man coming in off the desert. Okay, do you, and this is kind of when they're getting into teenagers. When you're a virgin, that's how you feel about sex. Well, <laughs> exactly. So you're a starving man coming in off the desert. Do you want to go into a bakery and sit and smell? Is that what, would that be a good thing no. to do? No, no. Well, that's what kissing girls and dating and stuff, that's what that's, that's, what that's like. Hmm. It's, it's like sitting, if you're not going to go have sex with the girls, you're just, you're just, uh, teasing yourself and making yourself miserable for, and to what end, what, what is your objective there? So learn to have, and that's not count. That's not productive. You've got all these raging hormones and stuff. So learn to have positive relationships with girls, mm. not emotional relationships where, you know, if you think about the American idea of dating, it's how can, how can I extract from you for my benefit more than you extract from me for your, your benefit? And then when we're done with that, we'll just, you know, go on to somebody else. Well, you're, you're training yourself to be an exploiter when you do that. You're training yourself to have temporary, superficial relationships. And, and that doesn't satisfy. I mean, God said to, to uh, Adam, it's not good that man be alone. And so uh, you know, I talked to the boys. Terry did most of the girls' stuff, okay? So I'm talking about the part I did and my wife. And so... Um, you know, I talk to the boys about just, you know, don't tempt yourself. Don't, don't be like the deer that's eating the corn and you're going to get shot. You know, there's, there's all kinds of negative things for you. But do learn how to engage with girls in conversation. Do learn how to uh, relate to girls. And you just do it in groups. I want you to be with girls a lot and get in groups because I want you to find one that you can marry. That's, that's your goal is mm. to get a great one to marry. So, you know, Give yourself a season. We, we made high school graduation kind of the cutoff. You know, until you graduate from high school, you're not financially capable of getting married. You're not. You know, so just, you know, make that season a season of, you know, getting to know girls and stuff. And then start looking for a wife. You know, make, make it like that. Now, all six of your kids got married as virgins or happily married. So what your approach seemed to work. Yeah, we're great, and and uh, but not because we controlled anything. But what about pornography? That's that's the ugly side of modern sexuality. Well, I tell you what, we did. Now, as it's it was easier in that era than than it is today, perhaps because you didn't have phones. You said to schlep in and buy a magazine back in the day. Yeah, yeah, you had to do that. We put our computer in the middle of the family room. We oh. had one one computer, and we put it in the middle of the family. Well, oh, that that helps things. Yeah. <laughs> So it's all about accountability. Pornography, to, to combat pornography, is all about accountability. Mm. You know, put the filters on. They, they have now programs that will, you know, notify your friends. Co if you Covenant want. eyes. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, just sign up for that and get just like let's. And that starts with admitting I'm vulnerable. And you know what? If you're male, you're vulnerable. But don't you think like what you were talking about, if you have healthy respect for women, healthy relationships for women, you're a lot less um, prone to see them as objects, which is what pornography does. Well, I think it depends on who the person is. You know, it depends on your, your makeup. Some, some people, you know, are really tempted by substances and things that, you know, make you dizzy or whatever. That, that doesn't appeal to me at all. But, you know, uh, a woman that says, hey, I'm available and I will not reject you. By the way, that's, that's why pornography is, is, uh, is alluring, is because 
it is a woman saying there's no risk of rejection. And that's another thing that's worth teaching your boys about. I, I had not really developed this at the time that uh, my boys were coming up, but it's worthwhile to tell them, look, I fear female rejection. And one of the reasons the, you know, the goo goo eye women and all that appeal to you is because they're saying no fear of rejection. And you know what I started doing in my mind to help me, because you see these images everywhere, right, in our society. I started saying to myself, that woman wants to control me. That woman wants to control me. And I don't want, I don't want some, you know, foreign woman to control me, some, some woman that's not my wife, you know, I can't have any. So I would actually, I actually have a little thing to talk myself out of why that would be attractive to me. Hmm. And there'd be other ways to do it. Like, uh, you know, that, that, that woman is telling me that she, she wants me to exploit her so she can exploit me. And that's a two ticks and no dog relationship. That's death. You know, you can, you can tell yourself what this really is and come up with your own way of, of doing that. So I try, we tried to train our kids in that. We used, the, we used uh, biblical imagery a lot with our kids. You know, Hebrews 6 says, teach your kids all day long. So we did constant worldview training, not preaching, but just practical wisdom. The consequence of sin is death. That, that's what we, not you can't do it. Okay, you can't do it. They absolutely can do it. Recognize the reality of kids' freedom. They're going to make their own choices. You know, the way that I, I, I'm just repulsed by pornography, and I, and I had not thought about it, but the reason I do is when I see that those images, I think of a victimized woman. I think of um, a, a gal who's been abused, and now she's being abused more by the person who's taking those pictures of her, and it makes me kind of angry to, when I see those. I don't feel titillated. I feel like that girl is a victim of some creepy dude. How dare I feel any kind of, you know, attraction to that, right? Yeah, so there's three things we control, and God has given us stewardship of who or what we trust or depend on, what we do, and the perspective we choose. You've chosen a perspective. Yeah. And that is absolutely the way to deal with sex. Choose a perspective, okay? And, uh, and you know, what I do, I'm a foinker. I, I think about, you know, progression of thing. I naturally kind of play out. What might go wrong? What, you might, what might go wrong or what might happen? It foink, can be, foinking it can be means... You, fear of imaginary negative consequences, but it works for positive things too. You know, I think about, you know, being a hero or whatever. And my mind just automatically does it. So, you know, when a temptation comes in, what I do is I just, uh, this is the way I take it captive as I say, okay, well, let's just say I did that. Then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Oh, that's terrible. That would be a disaster. Okay, well, then that's a dumb thing to do, right? It's a Why? great way to stay out of jail. <laughs> exactly. I'm you, as, a, as a former policeman, you know, if I have another drink and I get in my car, then what? Then what? Right? Yeah. So I just think about those things and then say, well, you know, okay. Uh, you have a one night stand or whatever. Then what do you say in the morning? Then what? What do you? And then what do you? Then what? Then what? And then who you tell? And then what? Well, that would be the most disastrous. Pretty soon thing you got to you have a rabbit boiling in your pot in your kitchen <laughs> for everybody who's over forty five and remembers that movie. Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities, like Promise Keepers, by crafting customized, innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan, utilizing business interests, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts, giving funds, and more. 
these donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org. And now, back to today's show. What about, how did the relationship change? Now, you have two sons-in-law. That's mm-hmm. a different than your sons, right? Four you have four daughters-in-law. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're also a grandparent to 20 kids. How, how, did the, how did that change from being a father to six kids to those different kind of dynamics? Well, the objective that we, that we uh, Terry and I, we, we say we encourage people to have for their kids is they leave home and they make their own, they know how to make good decisions. They know what good values are. They're equipped to make good decisions and fully recognize they are going to make those decisions. Now, you want to have 100% acceptance of your kids. You want to constantly convey to your kids, I accept you no matter what, just like Jesus does to us. Mm -hmm. No matter what, you're mine. I love you. I will always seek your best interest. At the same time, you want to be like, I will only approve those things that are good for you. Okay. I will only, I'm not going so to. So hundred percent acceptance, but not hundred percent approval. Approval only for those things that are good for you. So important to separate for, for a parent. You got to have, you got to have those two. And, and nothing you can do will ever cause me to reject you. And you never want to even hint that you would reject your children mm. because that's controlling. Okay. And if you control your kids, you're either going to, you're either going to stunt them or you're going to, chase them away. Both things are bad. So you want, you want to, what you want to do is really fill their emotional tank that there's nothing they can do that, you know, go be a drug addict or whatever. I'll still seek your best interest. Now I will not approve that any, not one bit. I'm not going to enable bad behavior. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the truth all along the bay about what's a good choice and what's a bad choice. And I'm going to give you consequences for bad choices. Tough to be a dad sometimes to allow your (laughs) kids to fail or to make a bad decision and suffer the consequences. We want to rush in and and then we end up with spoiled children. I want, I want them to suffer the consequences because they need to learn how the world actually works. You know, the world is cause effect and you want to make decisions that give you good consequences instead of decisions that make bad consequences. You could summarize the Bible into saying, here's how to have good consequences instead of bad ones. You know, this is these because it's all about making good choices. And that's what you're training your kids to do, to make good choices. It's pretty amazing that an engineer ended up with such artistic kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's a compliment to the freedom you gave them to be who they are. That, you know, you didn't require them to be engineers. No, well, we've tried really hard. We we studied. We studied a lot about child rearing. There's a lot of good experimental uh, books, observational books out there. And you know, the Bible, the Bible makes it clear you can see God through how things work, or you can see it through the Bible. They're both going to overlap. So we we uh, looked at birth order factors. We looked at the fact that the second kid usually rebels to get away from the shadow that they're under the first kid. So we tried really hard to give a different path for our second boy. We know that parents are, have a bent to try to put their kids in a mold that they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so we tried really hard to figure out what our kids were good at and, and kind of nurture. That, that, that verse, if you, if, you, um, if you help your kids grow up in the way they're bent, 
then they won't depart from it. You know, that proverb. Well, <clears throat> if you really help your kids become who God made them to be, they're more likely to be way more constructive people, right? And to make good choices. So we, we tried real hard to be, you know, nurturers in that respect while being very strict about um, understanding cause effect. Now, in that vein, <clears throat> one of the things we tell parents all the time is um, pick your battles, okay? Mm -hmm. Don't control the kids. Do teach them cause effect. So you need some boundaries, but not many. You, know, you don't want a lot of boundaries. Um, <clears throat> a few as possible, but not zero, okay? So we picked... Uh, we picked eating and chores and um, defiance were the main three battles we picked. So you, you can't eat whatever you want to. We, you eat what we put in front of you. Okay? That was one. And you don't have to eat. But if you want to eat, here it is. Okay? And then that was another one was you got these chores, you got to do the chores. And the third was just respect. You got to respect our authority if we ask you to do something. And if we see defiance, we're going to snuff it out, okay? You will lose definitively if there's any defiance of any kind. And so that was basically it. The rest of it, we just, you know, they dribbled in the house and they played baseball in the house and they, they, messed, they took, uh, you know, blankets out and made tent forts in the house. I had to clean it up afterwards. But, you know, they're kids. We want them to use their imagination. We wanted them to grow. We wanted them to explore and you know, we can have a clean house later. You know, we can have a, uh, a house that's not messy later. We just wanted... And then grandkids come, and then you never really do get to have the clean <laughs> Well, you know, we have it. Yeah, that's right. And there's still stuff all over the place. And you're, and you're and happy you, as can be. Uh, it's great. But, you know, you know what happens is, um, generally speaking, our kids cause their kids to clean up after themselves <laughs> because they learned that growing up, right? Okay. Thanks for listening to On the Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison.